Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. you to be here. Make sure uh, everyone you know who comes here is here because Christian is going to be outlining and starting our 2020 vision season. That's going to kind of go over, what, a, a month or so, isn't it? There's going to be uh, multiple things that come out of that. But this is going to be our, our vision for the next three years. Not 2020 as in sight, but 2020 as in the year. And this is going to dictate where we go for the next three years of Arena Church. So we want to be here, don't we? We want to be involved. So listen, show up, be present next week because it's going to be a special morning. But before we do that, this week, I've got... Uh, I, now, don't get me wrong, I, I, I love you know, normal services. We never have a normal service, but you understand what I'm saying. But this morning, we've got an interview kind of setting. I'm going to get, invite a few people up. It's going to be super exciting. But we do something in Arena called Growth Track. And Growth Track is less of a course and, and more of our vision of our church. It's the, the core of who we are as Arena Church, our Growth Track is. It's how we know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and how we make a difference. And per- periodically throughout this year, I'm going to be having some conversations similar to this around knowing God, finding freedom, discovering our purpose and making a difference. Because it's cool to be involved in a course, but when you see people and hear stories of people who are living their lives, it puts skin and bones, doesn't it, on these things. And that's what we want to do. In Revelation, it says, you will overcome through the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. See, testimony is just another word for story. Someone's life story. We're going to dive into what it looks like in people's lives, and we're going to do that in just a second. See, Growth Track, it's not a course that you promote from. It's a place from which we start. See, you don't do the course on knowing God, and you know God forever, and that's it, and that's fine. You don't go to the course on finding freedom, and then you're completely free forever. This is a process. It's a journey. See, we can always know God better. We're always finding deeper levels of freedom. Our purpose is constantly being revealed and we're being called out by God more and more to make a difference in our world. See, today we're going to have a conversation about knowing God, what it means to know him today and how we can know him better. In Philippians 3 verse 10, Paul says this, the apostle Paul, he says this, it seems shocking and a bit strange really, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So this seems like a strange declaration on the face of it because Paul here is not at the start of his ministry. He's not just given his life to God. He's actually near the end. This was uh, written around uh, AD 62, they think. And Paul died, I think, in AD 67. So this is five years before his death. He's saying this at the end of his life. I want to know Christ. Now, if Christian got up next week and said, guys, look, I've got to be honest. I want to know God. Everyone would be like, what the heck is this guy talking about? He's led me to, he's been preaching for like years. But Paul understood that knowing God isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifetime. It's a journey. See, Paul knew that knowing God isn't a destination that we arrive at. It's a journey to go on. He's someone to be known. He's someone to walk with. I don't know where you are on your journey today, but here's the truth. There's a God here today that loves you, that can heal you, 
who wants to know you. Easter Sunday is amazing because we have a God who is alive and who wants to know us. So this morning, I'm going to introduce some guys up to the stage, guys and girls up to the stage. So if you're on the panel this morning, can you come up? Let's give them a massive round of applause as they come. Come and grab a seat, guys. Come and grab a seat. Great. So I'll do some quick introductions because we, um, we are on, on the clock this morning. We've got loads to get through. Actually, if you could put the clock on at the back, that would really help me. Thank you as well. Also, we'll be here at like three o'clock. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> the turkeys burn. <laughs> Who's having turkey today? Anybody? No, that's like a Christmas thing, isn't it? <laughs> but we've got, let me just introduce uh, these guys here. These are all people I, I know personally and well and, um, and love. And we... Look, the people sat here aren't perfect. Please know that. I'm not perfect. No one who ever steps on the stage is perfect. But they're on a journey to know God. And they know God. And they're knowing God. And first of all, we've got Mike on the end here. Mike Taylor is... Um, let's give Mike a clap. Mike and Maggie are some of our small group leaders. Maggie is Mike's wife over there. And are just great in the life of our church. We have the newly wed... Here he is, Adam. And um, Adam's wife, Tracy, is there in the front row. Adam plays bass. You'll see him. He's the good-looking bassist. Uh, and, um, you know, you just see Adam there, just cool, you know. I see him with those boots. He's not got the boots on today, but he's got these awesome boots, like with a massive heel. And I'm like, this guy could wrestle a lion, you know. Like, what a man. And Adam and Tracy lead a small group as well, and just great, again, life for church. And then, you know, the rebels on this side... We've got Jonathan and Annie. Uh, these guys lead our youth and uh, here at Ilkeston. Annie obviously is part of leading worship and these guys do so much in the life of our church as well. They're of course married to each other. So we're going to have a, a range of experience this morning. We're going to have lots of uh, different viewpoints and opinions and that's good, isn't it? So, um, so yeah, let's dive in. I mean, Mike, I want to start with you if that's okay. It's um, working. There yeah. we go, there we go. Excuse the deep voice I was singing yesterday. <laughs> Mike told us he had a, a five-hour kind of rock... Uh, Four hours singing. singing yesterday. Um, but Mike, just start us off. What does knowing God mean to you? Well, I knew of God when I was young. I was, I was in um, a church choir down in West London. So I knew about him, but I didn't know him. So I, I had a good training in scriptures, but I, I didn't come to faith until my early 30s. Um, and, you know, that's another story how I came to it. But it was a wonderful Scottish family, well, Scottish and Irish, who'd been missionaries to India. And they just showed uh, um, myself and my family exceptional kindness. They even let us kick down on their floor when I had access to kids. So I would bring five, then six, then seven kids down. We slept on their floor. And I saw God working in their lives, and I realized that they had something that I didn't. Wow. Uh, and I'd been successful in sports, in, um, in, uh, in business, and although I'd had a son die and I'd been through the pain of divorce, I was all right. So the body and soul were working well, but the spiritual side, that extra third part of us, wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And... I found myself um, ultimately one day going down the M62 
And the church that I was going to used to pray for me, lay hands on me, you know, and oh, thank you very much and all this and yeah. that. But one day I found myself asking Christ into my life. Wow. And then things changed. I um, hope I'm not going on too long. I got a new job, Mitre Sports, a dream job, tiny little company. And I was working with the FA, the English Football League, the Rugby World Cup, the TCCB. I was meeting my heroes, Gareth Edwards, uh, Phil Bennett. It was wonderful. And... I had a little scripture on my desk because the company was losing money and it said, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And I had another one. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I took some tough decisions, but we got sales up, very proud of it, fourfold, profits eightfold on year one, got to number one in soccer and rugby boots. And really, it wasn't down to me and the team. We were very ordinary, Adidas, Nike and, and those big boys much bigger teams. Yeah. But God blessed what, what we were doing. And um, my prayer life can always be better. You know, th- there are times, I have to admit, when I'll watch the news three times during the day, and then God gets the fag end of my prayer at the end. But um, the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit live inside you, yeah. um, God found me. I, 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 wasn't, I, didn't ne- I wasn't needy. But I wasn't getting the best out of life, Josh. Yeah. And yeah. now with God, every day is a great day. Great. Awesome. Adam, yeah. <clears throat> Adam, um, I mean, your journey is probably a little bit different to Mike's. Just tell us a little bit about that. And again, what, I, what knowing God's done for you in your life? Uh, it's similar in some ways uh, to Mike. Yeah. Uh, I was brought up in a Christian family. Yeah. Uh, and we think of all these traditional church uh, stone walls and pews and that kind of thing uh, and in my teenage years it was a bit boring to me yeah uh, there, was, there was nothing in it for me I didn't enjoy it uh, and I found an Assemblies of God church that was much more alive yeah and I got to know God there yeah amazing uh, as a personal relationship known as a something I can do and someone I can be with yeah uh, I did leave that church after a while and drifted aimlessly for many years. Yeah. Uh, got married, got divorced. Yeah. Uh, and spent eight or nine years not really doing much for myself. Yeah. Uh, and I came to Arena three years or so ago. And although I knew God when I got here, I got to know Him more while I was here. Yeah. And it's just been a revelation in my life how much better everything is. Yeah. Amazing. When you can trust in God. Amazing. And now he's got you back. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And I don't know about you guys sat here this morning, but I think that's the thing with God. Like, it starts good, but it gets better. And um, the more we step into him, it's almost a catch-22, isn't it? Like, you know, with the Bible and with prayer, it's almost a a catch-22 at times, because I think the more you do it, the more you want to do it. And the more, more you're in your word, the more you pray, the more you speak to God, the more actually you get out of it. And I think that's the amazing thing about the word of God and prayer. I mean, John and Anna, you've got a, a great story yourselves. And I, I mean, it'd be great to know how knowing God has impacted you. I mean, Jono, probably first of all, and then Annie, just on the back of that, because Jono, I, I know your story, Jono is a very, very good friend of mine. And... Um, you obviously had a period where you, you went away from God. How has knowing God impacted your life? How has it changed the way you live? Great. So, um, yeah. So what I would say in that is that 
because I've been forgiven of so much in my life, I can't even explain how much God has forgiven me of things. It's given me, I guess, a lot of patience with other people. Um, so, yeah, so the other week, the story, me and Annie were actually in having my hair cut, having my hair shaved, and there's this Muslim guy in there, honestly, absolutely grilling me. Honestly, it was horrible. Um, well, he's got the shaver to your head. That's true. <laughs> Honestly, I, I thought... I, mate, that's not the I time to do it. Life, just, uh, can we, we'll, let's have a chat afterwards. <laughs> but I remember, I, I remember having so many questions, and specifically with you, mate, when, when I first came to church, having all these questions like, well, if, if God's real, why is all this stuff happening um, in my life and in, in lives around me? Having those questions, and then this guy asking me so many questions, normally I would probably have said... Like you just said, I don't really want to chat about this right now, mate. I'm all right. But because, number one, I've been forgiven of so much, but also yeah. I've had so many questions and, and God's guided me through, through those questions. He gave me a patience to be able to yeah. Um, yeah. listen to this guy, you know, say, well, I, d- I don't really know some, t- of some of these things. And the great thing was as well, because of that patience, I was able to speak the gospel to him. So Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, when I think God takes you through different things, different stories that it uniquely qualifies you to to be able to speak to other people so that's amazing yeah. and i mean with with john like i say I, I do know john super well and i think it's fair to say that you had a period from you're probably arrogant you know before before you, you knew god and that's fair to say till about two weeks ago yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just this morning he came walking and he said people are gonna get something today <laughs> Let me tell you, it was about time I was on this stage. <laughs> he walked in. Now, um, uh, and you could never say that about John O'Neill. And he's patient and he's humble and he loves people. And, and, you can, and you can visibly see what God's done in your life. And, um, but I think it's fair to say that God, ha- you know, let's say, you know, God had to pull you down in a way. Or you have to come to a point where you couldn't trust yourself anymore yeah. to be built up by God. Just tell us a little bit about that. If you yeah, don't so specifically when I first came to church, I had, I had a girlfriend that I you know, probably wasn't doing the right things with. I had a, a business that was my confidence. I had so much pride. It's unreal. I had all this kind of stuff, and all that was taken away from me. And I was kind of thinking, why? why? Surely if God, God loves me, why, why is he not doing this? But... I remember listening to a podcast a couple of months after, after all that was happening, and it said, this guy, this American preacher said, when, you, when, you've, when God is all you have, you realise God is all you need. Yeah. And that was the best, honestly, the, the most amazing foundation. Josh, yeah. could I just say, I had a similar experience to Jono. Yeah. I was the number two at Wrangler Jeans, the sales and marketing director, fabulous salary, Mercedes, all that. And then I was suddenly made redundant because I didn't want to go to Brussels and relocate to the new head office. I went from the fabulous salary to £46 a week. And I used to go into Asda because I lived in West Bridgeford, huge house, six bedrooms, all that sort of stuff. I couldn't even afford cheap Irish cheddar. And I felt absolutely terrible. But I only had one bad day because I realised my faith wasn't in my pay packet. Yeah. and, and we, we survived. We did yeah. all sorts of strokes. I, I rang my old company and I knew they had 3,000 softballs which were flood damaged in the warehouse. I bought them for 43p and I went round schools in the summer, got a £5 store and I sold them. 
great. And that's what kept us going. So, you know, because the source of income had dried up there, if your father owns the cattle on a thousand hillsides, the resource is there. Love that. And we got it. Love that. Love that. And that is so true. And that, I mean, you know, you've heard me speak about my journey, and I'm not going to talk about that today, but, you know, that would be similar to these guys where, you know, you go to a point of, you know, being fairly, um, fairly comfortable, and then that can get taken away. And I think that's a true test of faith. When those things do get taken away, where are you? And um, my experience is that with God, and as I trust in God, that actually those moments can be the greatest moments because my confidence is not in my car. It's not in the, uh, the, my bank balance. You know, and they're not bad things. But I don't want my confidence to be in that. I want it to be in God. And um, because it is in God, that can really, really change things. Annie, a lot of people around here would know you, well, know about you, probably not know you personally. Um, but we've just talked about relationship with God. We're talking about knowing God. In your life, I guess, just tell us a little bit about your journey to knowing God. Because... Again, unique to probably everyone here. You obviously grew up, you know, a PK, as we joke, pastor's kid. Um, talk to us about your journey to knowing God, because while that's got great benefits, also, you know, it can have some, some sides where people go the other way as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so obviously grew up in church, um, never really been out of church at all. Um, I think, well, I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was about seven, um, but then when I went to this thing called Soul Survivor, which is a youth camp, I gave, I think I was about 13, where I fully gave my, my life to Jesus. I mean, um, being a PK, as you call it, um, yeah, it definitely has pros and cons to it. I mean, um, I guess people expect a higher almost ranking of you of of knowing God um especially and the thing is my mum and dad never put the honours never no. put that on me or Eleanor or Isaac and Lilia um but I think um my, my journey to knowing God was really just not identifying myself as a pastor's kid because yeah. I think sometimes you can put this expectation on yourself as I have to be not better than everybody else but I have to be I have to worship more I have to pray more I've got to be on my knees and my face every night because I want to surrender everything to Jesus what aren't you I am, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I to... How's that worry for a sag? I am joking. <laughs> Jonathan, I'll walk in, I'll be on the table just with my face down. Like, Annie, what are you doing? I'm just surrendering to Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Just counting all my blessings. <laughs> I'm too busy counting them. But yeah, I think um, people can expect something better. So I think you have to kind of... Because I guess with that confidence thing, sometimes your confidence can come. So I know God through my mum and dad. And that's, that's not it. You've got that's to have... As a pastor's kid, you've got to have... Like everybody, you've got to have your own journey and your own relationship with Jesus, no matter who you are to anybody, because it's not a label. Yeah. I think sometimes the enemy can put things like that on people. Well, you're a past kid, you should be better than everybody else. Um, but I think knowing God is, you, is your own personal journey. So, it is. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely benefits. So my mum and dad showed an, an, an incredible example, and they still do through every area of their lives. And honestly, I can't tell you how much and how much of a privilege it is to be able to call them my leaders, because he's... Although he's my dad and he's my mum, they're they're my leaders first. So when I'm here, they're my leaders first. Um, And they're awesome. They're so good. 
Right, but yeah, there's, like I said, there's definitely pros and cons. Um, but like I said, a, a definite um, uh, con, as you would say, is that um, people can put labels on you. But I think you have to push through that and know who God's called you to be individually aside from that, knowing who God's called you to be and knowing God through that, that he is He's always good and that he's always faithful yeah. to you no matter who you are. Um, but I, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to that, good. definitely. And I'd use that as a challenge to, to people who've grown up in church, and especially probably some of the younger generation, that you don't get your relationship with God from your, your parents who brought you, or from your grandparents who brought you, or just from that coming. You get your own walk with God. You get your own relationship with God. Hey, when we, we're, we're very um, intentional when we, uh, when we bless children on stage when they're first born that, to say, look, this is not a coming to faith. Yeah. We all have to make our own decision yeah, to do true. that. And um, if, if you're here today and you've grown up in church, listen, take some time. Get your own relationship yeah. with God. Do what you need to do to know God. Yeah. Adam, what, just tell us about, you know, you, you talked about how your relationship with God has developed and, and changed. And obviously that's through having an incredibly spiritual wife like Tracy. Um, but... What are some of the disciplines in your life that facilitate that that knowing God, that that relationship with God? I think a lot of it is just being aware of God's presence. Uh, The first thing I do when I get out of bed every morning is I put my feet down on the floor one at a time and go, thank you. And I wake with an attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful for everything I've got. Love that. And it just sets me up for the rest of the day. I love that. I think thankfulness is is massively underappreciated. Mm. I think sometimes we, we look at, you know, intercessory prayer <laughs> for those who've been around church or, um, you know, or prophecy or, or, or speaking in tongues. And yeah. forgive me if, if they're not terms you're familiar with. I think we look at those as like, oh, yeah, they're really spiritual. And then like thankfulness and celebration is probably a bit down here. But thankfulness is a, a very, very important spiritual discipline to be thankful every day to God. Because what we're doing is we're acknowledging what God's done, even when, you know what, things aren't perfect. Because who's got a perfect life here? Anybody want to just... No one's got a perfect life here. But you know, there's things to be thankful for, isn't there? In every season of my life so far, and I, look, I'm 28, but in every season of my life so far, in good times and bad times, I've, I've had something to be thankful for, and that's an amazing spiritual discipline. What about you, Mike? What have been the, the things that have really throughout your life? And I'm sure there'll be a few different bits, but what spiritual disciplines have, have really helped you with your relationship with God? Well, uh, uh, let me give an example. Friday morning, um, I was going down to the London area, and then I had to go across to Berkshire, and I, I was dreading it because being a bit of a London boy, I knew what the traffic was going to be like. Uh, and I was actually going down to see um, a Muslim lad who used to live with Maggie when she was widowed. She took in students. And he's seen us as his English mother and father, and he had a brother as well. well. So anyway, he wanted me to have lunch with him, and he lives in Welling Garden City. And I was dreading the M1, so I commended the journey to Christ. Every, every so often, probably twice a year, I have a senior moment. And uh, because I drive a... French car here, left-hand wheel drive, and spend five months in France. I occasionally might go around the wrong way, around a, <laughs> a roundabout, or this or that. And my hearing is pretty bad. I should be wearing hearing aids. So I, I, I just ask God to protect me and to make everything happen. So I leave at nine o'clock, and um, I, I went, I thought, 
uh, I just felt my spirit, get cheap petrol, it's expensive down south. So I went to Long Eaton. And then I went the back roads and I got on the M1 and round East Midlands, oh, it freaked me out. But I got through. I zipped down the M1. It was miraculously clear. I went through St. Albans, all right, a little bit, got to Welling Garden City in two hours, 20 minutes. Wow. Phenomenal. So the Iranian was there with his mother from Tehran. They cooked me a huge meal. I said, look, I really have to go. I got out at half past two on the M25. Got round it, no trouble. Started to back up at the M40. And I, I've got to get to my kids over in Wokingham, Berkshire. So I came off at the M40. Right decision. Get up to High Wycombe. Cut across. I get back there, down there, hour and a half early. Now, to some of you, you wonder what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I, sorry, I shouldn't use amazing or awesome. It was brilliant. <laughs> I've got a thing about amazing. We use it too much. Anyway, I got there and had an hour t- to spare. And for some reason, I felt God say in my spirit, I've, I've got three or four kids down there. Um, go to this one's house. She's going down to Devon. I went there. She'd left already. But outside, they'd gone and put a huge um, bag of rubbish and a box. And there were two big magpies. And I knew that was going to be a problem. It was going to be all out on the pavement. So I carried on, went to my rock and roll practice. And something in my spirit said, go back. And I told my girl who was on the way to Devon, you know, you're going to have rubbish there. And she said, don't worry, Dad. She said, the neighbor will do it. But I felt I had to go there. The neighbor hadn't done it. Rubbish all over the place. So, you know, picked it up, went to the local restaurant. This is the naughty bit. Got to pray for forgiveness in there, skip. And then the other bit. (laughs) And afterwards, I I felt the Lord say, look, if they've got torn up envelopes there and addresses, and if they're feeling a bit piggy, they could be in trouble. But I haven't heard anything. And... And then I got rid of the rest of the stuff. And then I got home. I just had an absolutely brilliant drive. Yeah. So I, I get back about half past eight last night. Now, I used to do 60,000 miles a year in my job as a sales and marketing director. The roads would, if anything, have worsened. But I was kept safe. Great. I got there in time. I did everything that I needed to do. I honoured our Muslim friend there, you know. And, of course, the Muslims, as you know believe in Christ, they think he's a great prophet, that, that there was a program on the TV recently about arts, the Virgin Mary, and they venerate her. Do they think he's the son of God? No. But some Muslims have more respect from Christ than this so-called secular Christian country that we live in. So um, I'm not sure that's answered your question. I do tend to ramble. You have to <laughs> forgive me. No, it's good. And I think you've, you've hit on something there, Mike, that people might be sat here today thinking... Oh, that, that doesn't sound very miraculous to me. But you know, to Mike, that's a big thing. And my mum used to, um, my mum used to, well, she, she still does. Like, we're in the car, she's saying, Lord, please get a parking space. I'm thinking, parking? He's got better things to do than get you a parking space. Like, <laughs> parking space. But the Bible says, bring every request to God. And that doesn't mean every request that you deem appropriate or not. You know, bring every request to God. Hey, let's do that. You know what? I'd rather do that more than do that less. And uh, I think Mike's really hit on a very important spiritual discipline there, that we should bring every request to God. Adam said it earlier about having this knowledge of God. And I think at times what we do with spiritual disciplines is we say, you know what? I'm going to spend an hour with God in the morning. 
and we, you know, we wake up, we do the hour with God, and then forget God for the rest of the day. Look, you can do seven hours in the morning, but if you forget God for the rest of the day, that's not what it's all about. You know what? God would much rather you spend some time in the morning and have a knowledge of him throughout, throughout your day. When I'm working, when I'm walking, hey, God, just uh, uh, go before me. I know you're with me, God. Being aware of God. You know, that's a very, very important spiritual discipline to, to take God into everywhere that we go. John, I know you, um, you know, have a, a set routine in terms of spiritual discipline. Just tell us a little bit about that. So my set routine, I wake up in the morning, go and sit on the toilet. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's, is that wow. what you're on about, mate? That is specific. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm not joking, to be fair. But, uh, <laughs> so I wake up in the morning, and Annie's already in the shower, so I go and sit and listen to her singing outside, which is it's a privilege, but... Um, that's it. You get, <laughs> I'm so glad Helen's not in. Just sits and listen to a thing. I'm like, babe, get out of the shower. Like, I need to get in. No, in all seriousness, uh, we've got some awesome things on our technology now. And there's, a, there's an app called YouVersion Bible app, which is the biggest blessing to anyone that, that, that sees themselves busy because there's no excuses at all. And like they've already said, even if it's five minutes, even if it's ten minutes... If you, if you don't let God define who you are in the day, everyone else will. Yeah. Everything else will. It's good. And, um, yeah, so, obviously, get, I, normally when I've got time, I get a coffee and I sit down and I read a plan, whether it's on my own, whether it's with friends. There's, there's a, an awesome feature on that that you can read with friends. So, Ben over there, Elliot, and some of those guys, we've, we've read things together, which has been, honestly, the biggest blessing because you can see what God's speaking to you but you can also see what God's saying to other people and, and one verse could say something to you it could say something completely different to somebody else and, and God uses other people to talk to you as well so um, I, find it, I find it personally the best to write my prayers down because yeah. um, otherwise I will literally fall asleep I, c- I, can't, I can't or my mind will go elsewhere I'll be thinking about like the ironing I have to do the washing I have to do <laughs> but, <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> but yeah, that's just uh, something practical for me. But then um, for Annie and I, I think I'd encourage every single couple in here, whether you're couple, you're dating, whether you're married, however long you've been dating, uh, married, sorry, we make it a regular thing in our week, or we try to make it a regular thing in our week to, to take communion together, um, to remind ourselves of what God's done for us. Yeah. Because otherwise you, you, get di- you get diverted into yeah. other, th- other kind of things. And yeah, Brilliant. hopefully that, that helps. In the Old Testament, uh, the, is- the Israelites, they left mark stones behind so that they could remember what God had done. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we need to do that in our lives. You know, it, might, it won't be a literal stone for you, but it, it might be a journal. It might be taking time to think back about what God's done. And that is so important for, um, for our faith going forward as well. Because I know that if I come to a time where it gets hard, I know that God can come through because he did before. Yeah. Annie, tell us how knowing God affects your day-to-day life. Um, 
Well, it definitely affects my day to day life. Like you were saying earlier, it's not just about. I think I, you, sometimes people go through a like a season of, if I just spend this amount of time in the morning, then I'll be okay through the rest of the day. And it's not about that at all. You've got to allow His Holy Spirit to guide you through everything that you do through your day. And especially for myself, sometimes I can I can struggle with my mind and my thoughts. Um, so I think if you didn't have God with you through those kind of things, your mind can wander off to so many things, so many, if I can say, dark places, low places, yeah. um, about everything, about who you are, who, you, who who the enemy tries to tell you that you are, and who, all these kind of things that kind of like confuse you and just get yourself into a maze. And I've done that on some days where it's been so busy at work or it's been so busy at home on a weekend that I've kind of lost track of that and it's so important to keep God at the very centre of your day I pray on the way to work every morning I always confess and say God you are the very first in my day God thank you for everything that you've done for me thank you that you're faithful thank you that you're kind thank you that you have the victory and that in that I have the victory and I think just having God in your day to day life it affects everything it affects the way that you view your, your colleagues people who come into work so I work for the council. Um, I work for Derby City Council. Um, Can and you have a word about the potholes? <laughs> I don't work for Derbyshire, I work for Derby City. I'm sorry, so, okay. yeah. People get that confused. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I can't. If you, if you live in Derby, come in and have a word with Annie after No, don't, please. Up. Please don't. So, uh, there's this phrase that's battered around a lot, and my dad uses it about beautiful, broken people. Yeah. And I think. If I'm being honest, because I work um, customer facing, so I have to deal with people's inquiries, a lot of shouting people, a lot of people who are very, very broken. Um, and I think honestly, if I didn't have Jesus in my day to day life, and I didn't, if I didn't allow him to affect my decisions in the right way, I think I probably would have lost my job by now. And that isn't even a joke, because they're just sometimes so rude, but and so aggressive, and it's no need for it. But you just remind yourself, God, these are beautiful broken people, and I want to be able to to do what you did. You, you around prostitutes around all these kind of people and I always think to myself I am the greatest sinner and I needed the greatest saviour so these people do as well Um, so I think just allowing (laughs) I think I think just allowing God to work through your day to day life and having his Holy Spirit in you kind of um, guide you through every decision and for those people who don't know Jesus please know Jesus because he's he's the best (laughs) he's the absolute best yeah I love that You know, we talk about spiritual disciplines and, and, all, and all that stuff, but one of the biggest things for me in, in knowing God has been this place, coming here. And um, this, you know, just because you come to church doesn't mean that you know God. Please don't make that mistake. But this, for me, is one of the greatest facilitators to my relationship with God. Coming on a Sunday, getting fueled up, getting filled up, hearing, you know, great preaching, um, hearing great teaching, being around you guys who encourage me to more. That's the amazing thing about this community. There's people from all different demographics, but we come together and we encourage each other and we lift people up and lift each other up, don't we? And um, one of the greatest things I think I've done in my own life, and I've been modelled this by my parents, is just to make this, like, first uh, priority. You know, Sundays for us, for me and my family, for my wife and I, they're first priority. Um, This is the first thing in the diary in the week. You know, if the sun's shining, we're not going to be going out. We're going to be coming to church because, you know what? Amazing things happen here. This is where the people of God come together, and this is powerful, and this is explosive, and I get filled up and fueled up when I come to the, the house of God. And um, this, this place has, has changed my life because 
It's led me and put me around people who call me to more in God. And it's enabled me to speak to God, to know God better and better. I just want to ask, um, I'll ask you, Jono, just finally. How would you encourage someone who wants to know God, but maybe they don't know where to start? Or, there's some, there's, I'm sure there's people in here today, they say, you know, I, I feel like I know God, but I think my relationship with God's a bit stale. What would you say to those people? Um, yeah, so every person in here has got a, a different story. Every, every one of us has a unique story, whether that's great, whether that's bad. You know, my, myself, my, my story before Jesus was that I, I, I went the way of the world. I tried drink, drugs, sex, all that kind of stuff, and none of it worked. None of it works, honestly. Yeah. But what... The one thing that is, is the same for all of every person in this room is that God promises that he will work together all things yeah. for good of those who love him and accord according to his, pur- to his, his purpose. And every person in here has a purpose. Yeah. So I want to say, regardless of what you've done in the past, regardless of what you're doing now, God loves you. God has a purpose and a plan of your love life. That. Regardless. That word sticks in my mind so much. Regardless. Yes. So, you know, if, if God's trying to break some walls down in your life if he's trying to if he's trying to say i'm all you need like i've said already just let him let him be open to it don't don't be so closed off you know my my pride every day has to to be gone it doesn't always happen but god's got a great plan and a great purpose over all of you regardless and just be open to it that that's the thing i'd say josh yeah yeah is it okay just yeah yeah um I wasn't always looking for God, but I did read something, and I'm addressing this to if you don't have a faith and you still have to make that that journey. Uh, I read that there were three reasons that we're here on this earth. One is to procreate. One is the pursuit of pleasure. And the third one is to find your God and develop that spiritual side. And I would say to you, I came to the realization that we're made of body, soul, and spirit. Some Christians get soul and spirit mixed up. Soul for me, the emotions, your personality, but there's a spiritual side. And I approached God, in a sense, from the cerebral side. I, I, I wasn't needy. Did a bloke called Jesus exist? Yes. It's not only in the Bible. It's in Roman records. It's in Jewish records. Did he go around doing good? Yes. Were there miracles? Yes. It's in all the records. Was he crucified? Yes. The turning point for me was, did he rise again from the dead? Because if he did... That was something special, and loads of people saw him. It's not just in the Bible. It's in Jewish records. It's in Roman records. And so I had to come to the point to make a decision. Now, I came here about three or four years ago because I was up the road on the PCC of an Anglican church, but I wasn't getting fed. I wasn't hearing the word. I wasn't getting motivated by people. I had lovely Middle England friends, but I wasn't developing my spiritual life. Far from perfect. Uh, you know, I've had six kids, brought up two stepchildren. They've still got to come to the Lord. But, you know, l- let's go back. To, I'll end on the toilet, as Jono mentioned it. W- w- um, every day I, I, I read our daily bread. It's free. And we always leave one in the toilet because we've got more non-Christian friends than Christian friends. So we're not in a holy hovel. But, you know, we have the opportunity to witness I, I actually used to do my initial reading on the toilet, Jono, but, but in, and, and people used to laugh. And, and then I thought, no, that's probably not honouring when you tell her in that story. So um, 
Mags and I just lie in bed there. I mean, being retired, we, we get up about half ten, you know, and we, we take it literally. We, we do think of you guys on the road. We think of you working there. I can recommend retirement, by the way. But there's always a better way of doing things, but keep your mind open. And, and if you come in here as we did, and we didn't know that many people, you know me now. I've been talking. Come and have a talk yeah. to me. If you've got problems, you know, I help people get jobs. I do all all that sort of thing, you know. So, just come have a chat with me. Great. Okay. It's funny. Um, it's funny. Mike said that, um, you know, about about the uh, evidence of Jesus because I was actually going to include it right at the start, but didn't for whatever reason. And um, Julius Caesar, history. You know, probably everyone in this room would know of G- Julius Caesar. People wouldn't dispute the fact that Julius Caesar lived. But there's ten credible accounts that Julius Caesar lived. There's about ten thousand that Jesus lived. And that's not just the Bible, that is secular literature from the day. And um, if you're on a journey to knowing God, listen, it's not a blind step of faith. It's a step of faith. It's definitely a step of faith. But it's not a blind one. And there's things that you can do, and we'd love to talk to you about that, Mike, myself, or anyone up here. I just want to finish with a Bible verse. Matthew seven twenty one says this. Not everyone who says to me, and this is Jesus speaking, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And sorry if I've read a different version, but um, that's just a different translation. Don't get so caught up in the busyness of life that you don't take time to get to know God. Don't live your life, your faith through someone else. Don't live your faith through this place. Don't live your faith through serving. Start everything, the foundation. They call Jesus the cornerstone, the cornerstone of our faith, Paul says. He's the foundation. Get to know him intimately and everything comes from there. I'm just going to pray. So if you bow your head and close your eyes, that would be great. Thank you.